ECDC On Air. The podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. Keeping up to date with European epidemiology. Hello, my name is Nicholas and I'm your host for today's episode of ECDC On Air, which is the podcast for the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. In this episode, I'm talking to Piotr Kramasz, who is ECDC's Deputy Chief Scientist. He has recently returned from a two-week field mission to Poland, where he's been part of a group led by DG Echo, which is the European Commission's Directorate for Civil Protection and Humanitarian Aid. The main purpose of this mission in Poland is to provide support to Poland in receiving refugees. You will hear more about Piotr's experiences there, what the situation is for Ukrainian refugees that have fled to Poland, and what ECDC is doing to assist EU member states that are receiving Ukrainian refugees. Hello and welcome, Piotr. Welcome to ECDC On Air. Hello. Nice to have you here. Um, You're just back from a two-week field mission to Poland. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the overall purpose of this DG Echo mission that you were part of and what it does? Indeed, uh, I and uh, my colleague Julian Botta from ECDC, we were part of the Union Civil Protection Team set up by DG Echo. And uh, the purpose of the team was, uh, the main purpose was the coordination of the flow of donated goods uh, uh, to Ukraine and uh, partially also to Poland. Uh, so the team established uh, very effectively in collaboration with the Polish uh, Agency for uh, Strategic Reserves, a route of uh, transportation of goods, uh, donated goods to Ukraine. And the tasks of the team uh, uh, also included uh, medical evacuation. And we were assisting the team from the public health point of view. And this included assistance with the medical evacuations and uh, interactions with the Polish authorities, uh, with the National Public Health Institute, with the Ministry of Health and, and some other activities. So you mentioned there that uh, you and uh, your colleague there assisted in the public health side of things. Can you tell us a little bit more what that involved? That involved working with uh, uh, especially the National Public Health Institute, uh, who is our competent body for ECDC, and assisting them with uh, the thinking about how to enhance uh, the surveillance system for communicable diseases and uh, thinking about um, how to increase the, the vaccination acceptance uh, among the, the displaced persons and, and some other issues. Uh, Poland has a very efficient uh, system of, of public health surveillance, but uh, if you think about it, you know, uh, receiving in a very short term uh, more than 2 million people always needs uh, some some thinking about how to adjust the system. And we provided the link uh, between ECDC and the National Institute uh, to, to offer any assistance that uh, would be needed. So can you tell us a little bit more, uh, what did it look like on the ground, these volunteer organizations and refugees that are there? Maybe a little bit more about what you actually saw. Uh, yes, it was... Uh, uh, a very good experience seeing the amount of help that is offered and assistance by the society, by individuals, by uh, various organizations. We visited a, a lot of places uh, where we could see and firsthand and talk to people. We saw train stations converted literally into big reception points. 
with uh, a lot of volunteers uh, getting trained and and then helping taking shifts assisting people starting from giving the, them information though to those who come uh, to, to the train station about what to do next and helping them get a free ticket to travel uh, further uh, we had a chance to participate in some coordination meetings between different services who are assisting the refugees uh, including the volunteer organizations but also the, the local authorities the army the police uh, the railway system and it was really a very good experience to see the the goodwill and the the, the collaboration and in solving problems of that of course appear on a daily basis we've also seen uh, a lot of points uh, when you travel through, through poland you see points and uh, the, the resting places uh, around the freeways where uh, people can stop because a lot of people actually flee from ukraine in individual cars and they can stop at such a point and, and get free food uh, toys for children free starter pack for a mobile phone and uh, and more and, and these uh, points are usually managed by by volunteers and private companies offering offering things for free to to those people we have seen also the great service that the fire brigades are providing both in terms of the medical uh, care first aid and also transportation and logistics uh, and uh, a lot of companies we saw that they changed their logos into the colors of the ukrainian flag in general a lot of flags and encouraging messages all over warsaw and and, and other cities and towns so it was uh, quite an experience really i can understand for sure and the the people that are coming i understand it it's almost exclusively just women and children and the elderly right because men they cannot leave the country at the moment Yes, indeed. What what we've seen these are mostly women and children, uh, sometimes older people and disabled people, which of course uh, directs a lot of the, the kind of care how, uh, because a lot of it is uh, targeting children. And what we've seen is that children, at least in this initial phase, they have a choice. They can join a Polish school where there are some programs to to integrate them to teach them enough language to to start participating in the activities um, but they can also they are usually provided with uh, some possibility to link to ukrainian platforms to continue education in ukrainian uh, ukraine has some educational platforms where you can do classes online i think that was developed during the covid time and it's still active and there is such a possibility for children to to do that uh, either if, when they are with some families or in we've seen it in some uh, centers where, where where they stay for longer period of time there are computer rooms uh, from which you can you can do that so during those two, two weeks that you were there you must have um, gained quite a good understanding then of the specific uh, vulnerabilities and the health needs of uh, of these people that are fleeing ukraine can you tell us a bit more about that yes as part of our visit we basically mapped the, the route, typical route of uh, refugees escaping the war in Ukraine f- from the border between Poland and Ukraine to a large city like, like Warsaw. And that gave us an idea of uh, the vulnerabilities of, of, of these people and, uh, and uh, what kind of uh, assistance uh, they need. 
And uh, basically, the vulnerabilities come from the fact that they are exposed to very difficult conditions during the the escape from the war in Ukraine, uh, which takes uh, a lot of time and under conditions of hardship. And then when they arrive uh, in Poland, they usually most of them are placed uh, within the communities, either with uh, Ukrainian families who have lived in Poland or with Polish families. However, some of them, if they don't know what to uh, do, they are placed for a short period of time in uh, some reception centers. And, and there, there is also some possibility of spread of uh, infections like uh, respiratory infections or diarrheal infections. There are some infections that uh, may spread uh, faster in crowded environments, uh, which uh, people encounter when, when they uh, they escape from the war and also in, in some reception centers. So one has to pay attention to this. But the needs of these people are uh, far beyond uh, communicable diseases. And a lot of them are about uh, chronic disease uh, treatment uh, that they they may have hypertension or, or diabetes, uh, or uh, they may be on treatment uh, for epilepsy and they don't have uh, medications with them. So part of the supply of, uh, of medical care to them was uh, to provide for the continuity of treatments. And this applies also to some communicable diseases like HIV and uh, tuberculosis. They would uh, flee without taking medications uh, for these diseases. So one of the first steps in providing the care of these people is to, to make sure that there is a continuity of treatment. And the big area is uh, psychosocial support. They are exposed to a lot of stress and uh, psychosocial support is, is very important. And the conditions that these refugees live under, do they generally stay in reception centers or are there other forms of accommodation that are more common? Uh, most of them, at least up to now, would uh, end up being with uh, families. So they they integrate into the communities. The, before the war, there are some estimates that around between 1 million to 2 million Ukrainians uh, lived and, and worked in Poland. And many of them accepted uh, refugees in their homes. But equally, a lot of uh, Polish families uh, did the same. Um, however, if uh, people who are coming to Poland, uh, they don't know where to go, they would spend some time in some centers, but these are usually days from what we've seen in the centers that we visited. And then when they recover from, the, from these difficult conditions of escaping and uh, get some basic needs covered, including medical needs, they usually make up their mind and they decide whether they want to stay with some families or, or they want to settle in Poland or they want to go sometimes abroad where they may have families. Quite some of them plan to, to return to, to Ukraine uh, if the situation improves. So the situation is very dynamic, but we, we haven't seen typical large uh, uh, reception centers where refugees would stay for, for a long period of time. That doesn't happen. There are uh, attempts to integrate them in, in the communities. And you said you participated in some medical evacuations. Can you tell us more about that? So far, there haven't been many such evacuations, uh, and we had some experience with them, but uh, what happens is that people who, including children, who cannot be provided adequate treatment in Ukraine, they are transferred to Poland and then retreated and stabilized in uh, Polish uh, hospitals. And then there are countries in other uh, European member states 
which are willing to uh, accept uh, these patients uh, in their hospitals to free up space for potentially for for other patients from Ukraine. And the, the system works uh, quite smoothly, and we, we had a chance to see it and, and participate in some arrangements in some cases of, of such medical evacuation. So access to healthcare and uh, access to drugs, generally, it's not really a problem for refugees coming from Ukraine. At the moment, as most of these people are placed in the communities, they should be integrated into the, the community healthcare through the general practitioners. There are a lot of efforts now to equip the general practitioners, the frontline workers in general, with the knowledge of uh, what to do if they would be providing care to displaced persons from Ukraine. ECDC published this week uh, a guide to individual health assessment targeted at uh, frontline healthcare workers. Uh, and there are some other materials, including some materials in Ukrainian available in Poland to assist with this. This healthcare is provided at different stages, starting with the point of entry into the country. We observed uh, in uh, Przemysl, which is a, a town almost on the border with Ukraine, how such a medical point uh, works. And, and they provided a, a very efficient medical care to people entering Poland. And uh, in general, we've seen the organization of such inflow of people, courtesy of, uh, of an invitation by the president of, of Przemysl, Mr. Bakun, who has shown us the whole system, how it works. And then there are medical centers or medical points in, in these larger centers where refugees may congregate for some time and they get uh, more care there because there is a bit more time. But the eventual way to provide healthcare is through the general practitioners well, once people had a chance to settle in the communities. And, and I think that's the most efficient and the best way because this should allow for uh, providing a comprehensive care, covering all the areas needed and especially providing continuity of, of care for chronic conditions. How important would you say it is to screen and vaccinate refugees upon arrival? Uh, as I said, uh, ECDC published uh, just now a guide to individual health assessments that should allow the frontline workers to get some orientation to what to pay attention to in terms of screening for some conditions. And this goes beyond uh, communicable diseases, of course. In terms of vaccination, vaccination coverage for some diseases is uh, not very high in Ukraine, but equally uh, it's it's suboptimal in uh, many of the receiving countries. So when one talks about uh, offering vaccination, I think one should target uh, the whole community. And this is a good opportunity to remind the populations in the receiving countries of, of the value of uh, vaccination and, and the need to get vaccinated. And uh, an influx of refugees like we're seeing now, could that potentially have any sort of implication for the spread of infectious diseases in Europe? What happens is that uh, these people themselves, they are vulnerable to some health problems uh, because of the conditions during escaping from, from Ukraine and possibly come from the fact that they congregate in, in some areas during the inflow. And uh, that's where, where the, the should be the focus of attention and, and care for them because they are vulnerable. In terms of uh, surveillance of, uh, of communicable diseases in Poland, there is an efficient system of such surveillance maintained by the sanitary inspectorate. And uh, uh, we observe how it works. 
For example, we visited uh, the neighboring Voyevodship in Poland uh, with the capital in Rzeszów, and there the sanitary inspector, Dr. Adam Sidor, showed us how the system works. And, and the system covers uh, people who are, who are entering the country. And we know from, uh, for example, from talking to the director of the National Public Health Institute, Dr. Grzegorz Juszczyk, that there haven't been uh, large outbreaks of, of dangerous communicable diseases so far. What was observed were uh, some clusters of diarrheal diseases. So, no, I won't say they are uh, in any way like a threat to the local population. On the, op- on the opposite, they are vulnerable to some conditions. What would you say are the main priorities for the receiving countries to do in terms of disease prevention and control? Can you perhaps summarize what we see as the main recommendations? I think uh, vaccination is one of these areas and uh, one has to think about uh, uh, vaccination for priority diseases. Uh, we have published the operational considerations on this uh, early on during this crisis and we mentioned their diseases like measles or, or polio as a priority. Another issue is uh, providing the continuity of care of, uh, of some chronic conditions like uh, tuberculosis and uh, HIV infection. But ultimately, I think the provision of long-term care is, uh, is very important. And this goes beyond the communicable diseases. The provision of uh, psychological care is very important. People who are fleeing, they also have uh, disabilities and uh, this has to be taken care of. Uh, at the moment, There is a lot of uh, activity in the population, a lot of mobilization. We have seen a lot of volunteers helping, and not just individuals, but also organizations, both uh, public and also private, uh, doing it uh, for free, pro bono. But over time, there is a need to uh, really provide for the the long-term provision of, of care to these people. And I think it's very good that that they are placed in the communities where they can be taken care of uh, by the healthcare system. There may, it may be that uh, the receiving countries will need support, and we know that they already expressed some needs to receive support in the form of vaccine doses or, or some medications. And uh, here the, the, the collaboration within the European Union, for example, for the mechanisms of uh, DG ECHO, uh, are very helpful. And we've seen how, how smoothly they work. And uh, how does ECDC intend to continue its support now for the EU countries uh, receiving refugees from Ukraine? Obviously, it's uh, it's hard to predict uh, when this war is going to end, how long it's going to last. But uh, I, I understand now we also have other colleagues from ECDC who have replaced you down there. And uh, do we intend to, to continue with these missions and being on the ground like we have been? Yes, we are in constant uh, contact with the receiving countries. There are regular meetings with with them, virtual meetings, where we at ECDC try to learn more about what the needs are. We've published a number of documents already, and and we heard during our mission that they have found to be very useful. And uh, also being there in the field helps a lot, uh, especially in this uh, this early phase of, of this emergency. And uh, our colleagues are there to continue what we started. And then we will see how the situation develops. And as you said, the situation is very dynamic and and we are trying to react to to what is happening, to produce uh, the materials and and give assistance that is needed. And also to think about uh, the future 
to be also more proactive and we started thinking about some scenarios for the future how the situation may develop and, and what kind of assistance may be needed longer term okay thank you that's all the questions i have and uh, thanks Piotr, for coming here today and sharing your experiences thank you very much For more information about ECDC and its work, please visit us on the web at ecdc.europa.eu or follow us on social media.